Okay, we're live. And we're good. We're live. What's up, guys? John Sintas here. Cutter Nation Podcast. Cask right low. Cutter Nation Podcast 104. Don't forget, please smash that like button. Subscribe. If you like for the content that we're putting out, please share it out on social media. Um, I'm super excited about today's guest. Marvin Freeman, the MLB legend and the most recent of very entertaining social media posts, putting out some amazing content. Marvin, I appreciate you coming on to the show and, and uh, taking a little time out of your day. Well, as you know, I love, um, love media. I love getting out there and giving guys what I know because um, you can't take it with you. And at the same time, I want to kind of um, make it clear that there's more than one way of skinning the cat. Um, Everybody's placing things in one basket like that's the only way or this is the only way that's possible to play this game of baseball when you got so many different body types, body sizes, velocities, swing speeds, running speed. Everybody's different, but I just try and make sure that I can enhance what a kid has and maybe improve on some of his weaknesses. So that's the approach that I take when I'm training. Um, pitchers, and I stay in my lane. Although I had a couple of big league home runs, I ain't out there doing hidden lessons. So I try and stay with what I'm good at, and that's pitching and teaching the art of the game. Yeah, totally. I, I love it. Um, I grew up uh, in Florida, big Braves fan of the 90s, just baseball fan. I mean, I, I was one of those kids that was obsessed. Um, still am, you know, and, and I never understood the, the uh, you can't just do this thing all the time. You know, and, and my dad was always, you know, we, we bought the Leo Mazzoni book and, and it was, you know, it was play catch all the time. You don't have to throw all the time and the information and seeing the Internet, you know, really come through Major League Baseball on this time frame too. your your experience and your history and how long you've been in the game is, is tremendous. Um, what do you feel like, you know, since you were playing to where you are now, where do you feel like the information has evolved from? Do you feel like it's gotten better? Has it gotten more clouded? Is there just more? Where, where do you feel like it is right now? Well, I mean, there is a lot more information, tons of information. And with anything, information can be good if you use it right. Um, sometimes it's getting abused or it's getting skewed to the point to where people are trying to make their point with information that doesn't really apply to other kids. And so when you start doing that, you start facing the danger of having kids that's being successful change what they've done in order to conform to the things that they're reading, seeing, and especially with the um, the, the uptick in social media, um, you know, guys can go on there and, and learn about a lot of different things. But I always tell my players, find out who you are learn who you are, how you can be the best you, and then use the information that's going to help you. And if it's not going to help you, let it go in one ear and out the other. But that's going to come with maturity. And right now, a lot of these young kids are getting developed um, 12, 13, 14 years old, like they're 25, 26-year-old men. And it's just not possible for them to have the same kind of functional strength, the same kind of mental preparation, and, and things that go into what pro ball players do to try and make kids do it. So I, I, I try to at least um, bridge that gap and let guys know that, you know, development early will lead to success later. That, that's, I love that idea. Um, what is the earliest that you would 
I'd like like to see a specific guy start working on his skills of pitching. Um, as soon as he believes that he can pitch, uh, most of the time you have guys. Well, I have guys sent to me because he's got a strong arm. Oh, he should be a pitcher. Um, but if he doesn't buy into the idea that he wants to pitch, which is the most important aspect of pitching, you got to want to be out there. You're going to get pounded. You're going to have some success. But if you don't want to do it, you're going to give up on it. So when they start showing the interest, like if I give them some things that they need to do at home on their own, and then I see them on, you know, uh, YouTube or uh, Facebook or Instagram, actually in their backyard practicing, trying to get better by themselves and working on the things that they feel are going to help them get better, then I, you know, I take them as fast and as far as they that they're able to comprehend. So um, I would like to say from the time they become um, entrenched in this competitive travel league, which is probably around 12 or 13 years old, they need to know some of the fundamentals of the game. And I don't mean just how hard can you throw or how high can you hit a baseball. It's certain intricacies and idiosyncrasies that need to be taught at a young age so that their baseball IQ can improve as they get bigger and stronger, and then they can start applying this to their own game. So baseball IQ is a, a rather controversial um, topic sometimes, right? Like it's, it's the same thing as like you were saying before. It could be good information. It could be bad information. We like to sum it up, um, and we have some theories about some things about how to try to win the game, right? You mentioned off-air 27 outs, and Cass and I have talked about this idea too, and um, in your career, I believe you were a starter and a reliever, um, yes. hell of a reliever. Uh, Mop up, man, you, set up, man. I, I, wanted, all, I, I, wanted, it all, man. I wanted to give you some props because in my career, I actually was a starter most of my life. And then when I went and played in Mexico, I turned into kind of a closer. I really found the, uh, the love of the game and, and uh, being able to affect the game every night. Like I was a presence. You know, people knew who I was. They hated it. They knew the cutter was coming. You know, thanks. You know, I even got to throw cutters in Panama one year in winter ball, uh, which was like my dream, right? Just like Rivera, this is where Absolutely. he kind of made it famous. And then I get no to throw doubt. on Rod Peru Field in Panama. I was like, this is a dream. This is crazy, right? Um, no that being said, you know, one of the things we've been preaching lately that um, these tournaments don't allow these kids to do because everybody has a one inning outing, right? Or a two inning outing. And it's kind of turned into minor league baseball where there's not, they're not trying to win the game. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. Cass and I were talking about, you know, why don't we teach kids to try to get 27 outs in a row? Just start the game. Go out and just how many in a row can you get? What's your best streak? And you ask yep. the kid that question and they just they have no clue. We see that stat or you hear about it in, you know, um, in, in the announcing of the game where they say, oh, he's uh, 14 batters in a row retired. And even the word retired kind of confuses some kids on stuff like that when they say that, but they don't understand that language like we do. We grew up with that. You know, that was a, a term that, that, you know, that an announcer would use to, to describe what was happening. Right, right. I mean, um, you know, I asked a kid, um, you know, how he pitched the other day. He said, I threw a no-hitter, coach. I'm going, oh, great. How, how, many, um, how many strikeouts did you have? Oh, I only had two but I only pitched two innings. I'm like, well, you know, that ain't a no hitter. You know, so <laughs> even understanding the terminology has gotten a little bit off, off centered. Um, you know, we're not doing a good job at like really translating the baseball lingo to the younger generation. Like we got it coming up. 
And so they misinterpret a lot of things. I've even talked to guys that's in the big leagues now. Um, and I ask them, you know, what are you trying to do? I talked to a couple of relief pitchers and they said, I'm trying to strike out everybody that I face. I'm like, well, okay, that's a, that's, that's good intent. But when you go out there 60 times in a year and your effort is max effort on every pitch, you're probably not going to last too long. So the, the longevity piece, I don't think they really understand how it takes a toll on your body to ask it to pitch at the in the red zone all the time. At some point, you got to pull the string. At some point, you got to be happy with getting a guy to pop up in the infield. It's got to make you feel a little good about having a guy up there swinging for the fences and you get his, get him out in front. I remember a story when I was on the Braves and um, Greg Maddox was sitting on the bench. And the night before, he had just probably pitched a complete game and threw about 86 pitches. And I pitched one inning out of relief. And I'm sitting on the bullpen. I'm sweating. I'm breathing hard. And I'm, I'm trying to, like, you know, get my composure because I'm super fired up late in the game. I'm like, hey, the guys have fought so hard to get to this point. I don't want to go out here and blow it. And so I sat down. And he sits on the bench. And he's looking at me like this. He's going, dude. Why are you sweating like that? He was like, take something off, change speeds, pull the string. He said, every pitch ain't got to be balls out. So I'm mm -hmm. like, you know what? You're right. So as I transitioned back over to a starter when I went to Colorado, I took that mentality and thinking, hey, if I can get this guy out on one pitch, that means that second or third time around, I still got a better chance to introduce something different to him that he hadn't seen. Because I'm trying to get as many outs as I can before they come get me out of the game. And if I have to strike you out, it's only because it's a runner on third with less than two outs. That's when I'm trying to strike somebody out. But strikeouts were, you know, they're, they're, they're glamorous. I mean, you strike out 15 guys, you're going to be on the, the front page of the newspaper and sports center is going to have you lifted up and all of this. But I was trying to play a long time, and that's why I was really trying to make sure that I saved some of them bullets. So when I had to, you don't hear this term anymore, reach back and get something extra, I had it there. Because right now in the first inning, guys are reaching back and getting something extra. So if you're getting something extra in the first inning, you ain't going to have nothing left to come around that second or third time. And that's where they start taking guys out of the lineup. I mean, taking pitchers out for, you know, things that might happen. So those are the things that I'm kind of, you know, struggling to understand. And it's taken away from some of those one-on-one -on -one confrontations with a guy you've gotten him out twice or he got two hits off of you. And then you come up in a crucial situation and you got a chance to get him out and you get him out. That's what baseball is to me. I, uh, I love that you went into that because we, I was just talking to a parent the other day about this and they were asking about, you know why so we have we've broken down sequences and i i've commented on your um post and um you know the the camera angle is the only thing that got me i couldn't tell if it was if it went straight down on the split or it, it broke with the slider and so that's how i was like did you go slider 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 and we kind of broken into this the strategy of pitching right in the game and i love you you, you were i have to give them props to you because i remember you know talking to my dad as i was going into this closing role as a pro and i started being like 
I don't understand why guys throw fastballs in RBI situations, especially relievers entering the game. And I remember talking to you, like talking to my dad, and my dad was like, Marvin Freeman used to come in and throw banger sliders and slits first pitch every time. And I remember being like, yeah, why? why? That's not what I, as a starter, you know, to establish the fastball, get it in there, get him in swing mode. And just watching your clip that we were, that I had commented on, I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is the, this is the thing where you have the 96, you, you, you can blow it by the guy. And yet in that at bat, it seemed to me what, what I could analyze that this guy was in fastball swing mode. And you threw everything into the fastball tunnel and it came out of it. And he just didn't change his strategy all three pitches. And so, go ahead. Absolutely. I mean, um, I tell pitchers this all the time. When when I'm in the tunnel and we're working on pitching, I I would stop doing whatever we're doing just to watch guys taking BP. And I tell the pitcher, just watch these guys right here. I say every single guy in here, it's like eight cages in there. Every single guy in here is working on hitting the fastball. He's working on hitting the fastball. He's working on hitting the fastball. Look at every tunnel. I said, so everybody wants to hit the fastball. Now you get to the big leagues. If you don't have good location and you don't have the ability to mix in something else, your fastball could be a hundred miles an hour and guys will be able to catch up and time that. But I always understood that when I'm coming to a game and I used to see pinch hitters on the bench and they talk to each other and they're going, man, that first pitch of fastball, I'm letting it eat because I don't, I don't want to get behind in the count. So I'm getting after the first thing I see. So I always say, hey, if I can throw my first pitch breaking ball over. That sets me up to have a, a better uh, chance to, you know, beat the guy with my fastball if he's got in the back of his mind that I might throw something else. But if he's coming out there looking for heat, and I'm going out there trying to throw the ball past him. Most of those battles, the pitcher ain't going to win. And so that's that's where the actual um, knowledge of what you know about yourself is going to come in and help you be a better pitcher. So, you know, you, you're absolutely right, man. Um, like the game, you come in and you got a fastball. You better make sure you spot it because the hitter is definitely looking to swing at it. One thing that I I don't know has been explained to me like John does it is like I think what John alludes to is the fact that he gets people to swing at his fastball out of the zone more often because he recognizes when he's setting them up right so he doesn't have to oh, yeah. throw a lot of strikes with his fastball and and I think that you know uh, through all of this we're gonna we're gonna say a lot of the similar things but um that's what I think that's the the balance of spotting up you know. Is that that important if you're playing the game right here? If you're playing the fast, slow game of showing that first pitch off speed, you know, my, my pitching coach in college was just like, you need that get me over. Well, then I realized that it was simply just like the value of pitching backwards as a guy who the hardest pitch I've ever thrown off the mound is 88, right? I lived off front door sliders and fastballs in because I could miss, I could miss the whole inner half because of that tunnel that I created and you know, I didn't get to the level that you guys did, but I I think uh, what we'll all agree on is this is uncommon for kids to have this knowledge, um, which is, it doesn't make any sense. It's this, this is seemingly very easy to teach kids. Would you agree? Oh, it's very easy, but a lot of guys don't do it because they don't understand the concept of it. What they understand is what they see on TV. And so if you see a guy throwing a hundred miles an hour, and you see guys struggling to hit it, of course you're going to be 
working on velo. You got a lot of velocity farms and stuff to just try and build a guy's velocity. But when they get on the mountain, I've seen this, you know, I've seen guys train all winter to throw harder and they may experience some velocity increases. But then when I see them in the game, they got to kind of, they got to take a little bit off to be able to control that pitch. So you've worked all winter on building velocity. Now you got to take a little bit off to throw a strike with it. I mean, why not learn how to command both sides of the plate, throw a pitch that looks like a strike, throw a pitch that is off speed that you can control and command, and then your fastball automatically becomes faster. So that's right. I mean, that is common sense, but it's it's hard. So to so I think th there's the there's the training side of it where we're actually like training for velocity. But I also think you're bringing to light something that I don't think a lot of kids understand about movement in general, and that that oh, yeah. perceived effort of how much you want to try, right? That's going to be. I think kids can. I, I always think of uh, Victor Martinez talking about he swung at seventy percent. That dude would get into it, right? And it's 70% in his field. It don't look like 70%. And I think a lot of kids don't know their body well enough to recognize what that actually means, right? And I also think there's, there's, there is value in, 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 in staying relevant from a velocity standpoint because it, it matters in so many situations. And, oh, and yeah. high school teams won't take a kid who can't throw hard enough. But, but I, I will say this, and I, I'm curious. Uh, I'm going to throw a question here and then finish up. What's the youngest kid you work with? Because what I've seen when I trained in Minnesota, I didn't work with this as young of kids as we do now. And I learned that, you know, seven to 13 is the window for speed. And you think about little kids at that age and they'll jump on a trampoline, they'll fall off the trampoline on their head, jump back up and go, oh my gosh, let's do it again. Like they're built for these kind of things. So I see a lot of kids that don't actually tap into that part of their, you know, part of growing up they're they're built for speed they're they're stretching out um and that was something that uh randy sullivan down at the florida baseball ranch had brought up is like these kids are springy it might have even been on base you guy uh but regardless i've heard this in multiple places you know so yeah i asked a question in there i don't remember what it was <laughs> <laughs> uh you asked me how, the how young kid? yeah um, i have i have some eight-year-olds um but the eight-year-olds that I work with, I make sure that they're actually playing catch with their dads on a regular basis before I even get to them. Because if you don't know how to throw a ball in a direction or hold it the right way, then how are you going to come in and learn how to control and manipulate your body enough to where you can throw consistent strikes with it? So I kind of give them a little um, audition before I actually you start training them. But the youngest that I've worked with, I got an eight-year-old lefty, man, that's unbelievable. I mean, this kid just moves like he just moves like a pitcher. And I try not to get too complicated with what we're doing other than just trying to let him um, work, go through his mechanics, point out things that he may be doing wrong, like falling into the pitch or flying off or, or, or just not letting, letting his legs uh, move him. And, um, you know, I don't start um, having them spin the ball or anything like that until they get to around 54 feet, um, 13, 14 years old, when I know that fastball change up is going to need something else. But um, 
eight years old is probably the youngest, but on a regular, probably around twelve is the is the is my um, sweet spot for uh, working with young guys. So I think that my favorite thing that I've learned, I, I didn't train velocity before working with John, quite honestly. Um, and I was always nervous of keeping kids healthy. And, and, and since what I've seen is, this is the story that I share with people. Throwing a ball is as, as elementary as you can get. Anybody can pick up a ball and throw it as hard as they want. Because you can give mm -hmm. a ball to a toddler, they'll pick it up and they'll chuck it. Kids pick mm -hmm. up things, chuck it. It's part of who we are. It's in our DNA. But catching it is not. So catching to a, a young kid is like eighth grade reading level. Now you go to eighth grade, no, kids aren't really struggling to catch the ball at eighth grade. That's a, that's a skill that's pretty easy to do it. Now at the highest level, of course not. I'm not diminishing the importance of footwork and fundamentals, yada, yada, yada. I'm just saying it's, that, that's the thing. So at the youngest ages, what I've seen is what you just said, playing catch with dad, because dad's way bigger than you and you should be able to chuck it at dad and have some fun and do some strike competitions like we like to do at Cutter Nation, right? Where, you know, hey, put yourself in situations. These are important moments, bonding moments with your kid, right? Like this is this is significant, right? And not saying we're replacing that. I'm saying I think that's why our, our throw it into a target, you know, on a, on a, on a semi-frequent basis, there's no fear of the catch. And kids can learn their body faster by not worrying about playing catch with a kid if that makes sense. So um, I like that you're saying the dad part and, I, and I'm curious, I mean, you, you watch our stuff, right? I mean, we, we have, we have young kids seeing their velocity all the time. And, um, and I think we're very conscious of, of those things. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? What kids seeing their velocity? Sure. And just like, I'm, I'm curious, like we have, we have kids do run the ball and throw it as hard as they possibly can. It's, it's the first thing that we have kids do. And we grow out of that um, because we want to see them throw the ball well, strong fastball mechanics and and learn how to pitch once they can throw the ball well. Right. So we don't have kids spin the ball until they prove to us that they can throw the ball straight and it doesn't hurt. And and it's fast to whatever their fast is. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got you. I, I'm saying that, um, you know, but when I see most of those uh, running gun and running throws, I don't see the most important piece, the end. The end is where they're trying to get stable on that landing leg and get to a point of release that's going to be consistent. I see them run, throw, and flip over. But, I mean, you know, it's different from pitching. I mean, if we're going to train pitchers, we got to train in a way that the pitcher is going to be delivering that ball downhill, not throwing the ball up. But that's, that's where when we used to long toss, I used to, Every day I went out with um, Mark Wohlers, and he threw 100 miles an hour when they had the slow gun. And so we would go and long toss, and at the end of the long toss, we throw the ball out of the stadium because we just wanted to let it unwind. But when we, when we got to the end, we always brought it back in to a pitching distance and worked on getting a feel of how the ball comes out of our hand. There's a place for letting it go. I mean, you you need to do that. It's like with any exercise that you do, the more exertion you put on a muscle, the stronger it can possibly get. But you want to do it in a fashion that's going to translate over into pitching easier than just throwing. 
Um, young kids don't throw enough. They they throw, they'll pitch in a game on Saturday, and they won't pick up a ball till that Wednesday practice. And then they'll wonder why they their arm is not getting stronger. Um, I think we threw every day as a kid. I, I don't remember a day going by in the summer that we didn't grab a ball and go out. And if we didn't have a game, we play like, you know, pickle. We throw, trying to throw the ball down the city, block street, whatever. We were doing something baseball-wise that would kind of really help us develop a better pattern without throwing and a better understanding of how to leverage that body and get more um, uh, momentum and direction behind the throw. But I'm seeing too much of that and not enough of the latter where guys need to be um, playing a control game of catch on a regular basis so that they can do it often. Um, you know, a lot more throwing with less exertion is going to give you a better feel. And so when guys are just maxing out and then they throw a bullpen and every bullpen is like, I heard something called a velo bullpen. And the coach said, well, we don't really care if it strikes. We just want him to get on the mound and throw as hard as I can. And I thought that was ridiculous to me because if we're trying to train a guy to have command, those pieces go together. You still can throw hard and still have an idea where you're trying to move, put the ball. And if it's not there, then you kind of read what you're doing and learn what adjustment you need to make as a pitcher to make that happen. And that's, that's has been really, really successful. I always use video. I show the kid what happens when he does it wrong. And then I kind of put it together when he's doing it right so that they can get a sense of both. And then they can kind of look and see for themselves what I see as a coach. And then they can start to learn how to be their own best coach when they're practicing. I, uh, so many buzzwords go off for me right there, Marvin. I, I, um, I want to clarify a little bit more of our strategy we're seeing because I think we're on the same page with some stuff and, and we do the running guns and shuffle fires and, and all that and we try to gamify everything for what we're doing so we count everything. So the way we look at the radar gun is just measurement of force output and we explain it because most kids are grew up playing video games and in this day and you can kind of teach them leaderboard idea of like what oh, yeah. level they're at, right? Oh, I and use so all this at, stuff. Yeah, and so we use it like you know, for example, one of the kids that comes to my mind is oh, I have a kid who's 10 and he's been starting with me since he was seven. This kid loves to throw. He's always loved to throw. He started at 38 miles an hour. He tells me almost every week he comes up. Now, he can run and gun 68 miles an hour and he's 60 to 62 off the mound. But the entire concept that we've been putting on this kid from the beginning is you need to have a strong arm. Your arm needs to feel good. You need to know where the ball's going. That's the only three things that we've really been putting in. And if you throw something incorrectly, your body will tell you based on the pain, and the pain will affect the feel and the velo. So it won't go where it's supposed to, and it's going to be slower. And so you have to find this free space area of throwing of when you're following through, and we have some other detailed stuff into that. But you, you said the same thing uh, about your life that, that I resonated with. I played baseball every day. We played tennis ball, baseball every day. We hit the ball every day. I threw every day of baseball with my dad. And when I look at how the industry of baseball is going right now, where everything is going to these travel, two, three practices a day and all this other stuff, you don't get this everyday idea. It's not what's happened. So the parents don't realize that when you play seven games in a weekend at 10 years old, <laughs> that Monday is going to be terrible. And actually, he should play catch. 
you yeah. should have what we call a 20% day, which yeah. is where you just loosen it up until it feels good. And then you stop. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the way we set up our, our business here and what we're trying to do is we, we have packages for two times a week, three times a week, unlimited stuff like that. And we want people to really learn how to be a pro early. And if you can learn how to be a pro and handle your own business and do stuff, you can really give yourself a chance to go as far as you can in this game because you're actually working on the things like what you were talking about earlier about what actually works. You know, um, we, we have, you know, we, we just put these kids in these scenarios where we say, hey, you know, if you understand what the offensive strategy like you were talking about in RBI situations, you actually can take a little off and throw three sliders in a row if you have a base open with first. And it's not that big a deal because you still have a chance to get out of this. So like teaching the strategy of the game and not being afraid to walk a guy or, or, or actually try a sequence that you know is going to work or not going to work. And, and, and working through that is not tested enough to us. And so, uh, you know, I asked to you, when you have these kids that you're training and stuff, and then when they go into the games, the biggest difference that I personally see from the way I grew up playing the game was I played in a league that we played three times a week my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we played, we had a spring league and we had a, a summer league and then fall was off and then we just did it again, right? And right. so I just played baseball my whole, three times a week my whole life. And so you had those, the, the old limits where kids couldn't throw, you know, if you threw six innings in a week, then he was done for that week. And then if you threw four innings, so the dads that we had were at least handling it where it was like two pitchers a game. You had a guy through four innings, another guy through three innings, right? And that would rotate. Everybody pitched on the thing. So I ask you, is, is with the tournaments and how things are going and how condensed it is, you know, are, are you seeing a difference in, in how these kids are developing, you know, because it sounds like it for what you're saying. You're having kids that can't locate fastballs or do this and not doing it enough. Where, where do you feel like that discrepancy is and in, in like how you grew up throwing every day and trying to literally play the game, whether it was organized or not, and what's happening right now where, like I said, seven games in the weekend is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what I see is uh, we used to be able to just walk outside with five or six guys and go to a park and just play. No adults. Nobody's standing over you to tell you you're doing it wrong. You're going out there and you're figuring it out. We watched the game on TV. We went out and we tried to imitate our favorite players. Um, now everything is so structured. The kid is almost like, you know, upset that it's a practice. You know, we tried to practice because we love the game and we wanted to get better at doing certain things. If I saw a pitcher on TV with a curveball, I would look at it like this. What's he doing? You know, oh, he's doing that. He's pulling down. I'd go outside and try it. And if I got it wrong, I got it wrong. But I would keep trying until I made the ball do what I saw that picture on TV did. And mm-hmm. so now, you know, I understand. I'm in the I'm in the uh, training field. I'm I train kids like five days out of the week. I, I try and make sure that they understand how difficult it is if they're not working on their own. And a lot of kids just don't work on their own because there's so many other things that they're involved in. And the baseball that they get on the weekend, when they go at eight o'clock in the morning, they get home at 10 o'clock at night, they think that's enough to last till the next week. And so this game is, I mean, you play 162 games in the big leagues. You got about 30 in spring training. That's 200 games you're going to play in the season. And guys are still screwing up. So 
all the practicing and all the games that you play, you're still going to make mistakes, but you have to be able to learn what you can do. And you're only going to learn that if you're out there practicing it with, 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 with as least amount of noise as possible. I love when I see uh, organizations practice, have more practices than they have games because it tells me that at a 10, 11, 12-year-old age, they're not just out there trying to chase the trophy. It's the development to help these kids go on and play in high school that that should be, you know, the focus for kids that age. And then when they get to be, you know, 9th, 10th, 11th grade where they're competing in these elite tournaments against kids from all over the country, then you want to test and see where you stand as a part of this whole baseball community where guys are trying to compete against other guys to see, oh, this guy's really good. Let me see where I'm at. Then you can kind of get a little bit more into the tournament scene. But younger um, should have more development and practice. But at the same time, they should still be um, still be um, playing as as few games on a day as they can. I mean, you know, you play a triple header and then it kind of gets a little long, you know. So oh. but with, with these pitchers, um, I see guys using the same guys that that are that, that are throwing strikes all the time. They're using the same stuff. They're trying to spread out their um, appearances so they can use them on the back end of the tournament when they have other guys that should be getting developed, especially in these fall ball leagues. That's what I don't understand. You play fall ball to help the other guys get better so you can use them in summer so that they can help balance out that pitching staff. But I always tell guys, hey, if you're a good pitcher, you better be getting in shape because they're going to pitch you a lot. And you want to be able to be still standing when the season's over with. So, you know, I just don't see everybody that calls themselves pitchers being developed. I, I couldn't agree more. It, it, I think it goes back to what you were saying too about like not throwing enough and not understanding. Like that's what I think a professional is: is a guy that can handle workload, knows when he's sore, and knows when he needs to stretch it out. And you know, when you condense everything into that weekend, and you're just trying to get everything done as much as you can to win that trophy, it just doesn't. That's not how the game is. I mean, it's a little bit like that in college now, you know, because they play. You know, I mean, some of those NAIA schools play like uh, five games in a weekend. You know, they'll play like a a Friday and then, then two double headers on Saturday and Sunday. And cause they're just they'll trying have, to get games in, you know what they'll I mean? They'll have a 15 man like, staff too. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, but on the counter to it and, and like what sounds like you and I, we grew up with, and I know cast did this too, is when you have a league or you have a, 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 a non-structured everyday type idea, you're actually able to work on the skills more of what these things are. Right. And the skills of, you know, controlling your 96 mile an hour fastball and knowing when to pull back and throw it at 92 or 90 and, or maybe try to get a little bit more, like you were saying, those are, those are all things that happen in the experience of competing against another person. And right. so our entire basis of our program is based on live at bats because that's where we feel like it actually works more like a football schedule where you have all week to train and work on what you're supposed to. And then you need to test it on one day in a scenario, which is the safest, which is live at bats where you can just get your work in. And then you can go right back to your program and get back to your recovery days and all the other soft tissue stuff that you're supposed to do. And then keep preparing to keep the development going at a safe rate where you're not overtaxing your body. So, Oh, absolutely. I, absolutely. So to me, you know, I love your practice idea 
you know, of what you're talking about, but I want to ask about your favorite part of it. Like, what's your favorite part about the game of baseball? Where's, where's that? Cause I mean, I, I see the killer instinct, you know, the, the videos of you strutting on the mound and everything. I remember that. Like I have this, you know, Smoltz had his little, his little walk that he would do around the mounds after he had punched a dude, you know, and, and, and I, I took that, you know, I took it. I would just, I would walk right around the mound on each one of them. And then I've even expanded further into my career. I still play to this day. Tomorrow, I'm probably going to throw 120 pitches tomorrow for our pro guys um, at, at 34. So, um, you know, a lot of guys think I'm weird that I can throw, but, uh, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But tell me about your favorite part about the game. Because what, what, that's one of my favorite questions to, to big time guys is, is you know, where, where did the love start? Where, you know, what's your favorite part? Oh, man. Um, I mean, pitching is my favorite part. I don't care who's playing who. If that pitcher is out there handling his business and he's, you know, I, I like Trevor Bauer because he talks the talk and he walks the walk mm. and he'll strut on you. He'll tell yeah. you sit down. But the thing about that is some guys don't like to put that type of pressure on themselves. I liked it. I, I would tell a guy, and, and I got a funny story about that too. Um, we were playing the um, St. Louis Cardinals. And we had took the first three games. I was pitching Sunday. And as we were walking off the field, I knew I was going to pitch the next day. And we were walking. This was at um, at Old Mile High Stadium where everybody had to go off in the left field corner um, because it was a football field and the clubhouses were back and back. So we're walking off. The Cardinals walking. Some of the Rockies. I had some big guys with me so I could talk a lot of stuff. So um, I'm walking off. And I looked at um, Gerald Perry on the Cardinals. I said, you know you guys get swept tomorrow, right? And he's like surprised that I would say that, you know, but I like to have that edge. Yeah. The edge to me was going out there proving that the stuff that I talk, I'm going to go out here and either back it up or I'm going to get pounded and then they're going to shut me up. So that drove me to being a little bit more competitive, not only just against myself, but against the other team as well. Uh, Sutcliffe threw at me four times that game. He hit me. He got ejected and all of that. But I was pointing at the the the, the locker room. I was like, "Yeah, you going over there?" But I'm still on the mound pitching. I ended up winning the game, Ooh. man. I posted that video a couple of times too on my Instagram. Oh, man, it's it's deep, and we was just talking stuff. And then then when I got on first base, I told Gerald Perry, I said, "Hey, yeah, man, um, your teammate ain't out here now." I said, "Let's go." And he started walking to me, and the umpire came up, was like, hey, shut it down. You're leading eight to yeah. nothing in the fourth inning, and I'll throw you out. You'll blow this win. I was like, all right, I'm cool, Blue. I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> but my favorite part of the game was just like the, the trash talk, the mixing it up, the going out okay, there I'm trying so to stare somebody down. You know, that I'm was so happy that part. you did this. I'm so happy this is where it is because that's what I see, right? And so I'm the same, man. This is me. I, I There's – the way I look at it, especially, you know, uh, my my life and, and who's influenced me to play the game, and, and I've always looked at the guys that were the best at it, right? Maddox, had, they called him Mad Dog, right? And Mad Dog. The fact that people people didn't think that he threw hard, like, was the craziest thing that I'd ever seen. I just, I, you know, it was a thing. Like, all three guys, Man. Maddox, Paulson, Glavin, and, you know, when Avery was there too, right, my dad was like, we're doing a thing. And then I remember, like, there were a couple times in my life where, you guys would go on a streak or something, and then he would make the same food for the whole thing. My dad's just all in on the superstition. <laughs> my dad's not even a baseball guy, you know. He's just That's a, right. He's That's a right. Surfing artist, you know. But he just knew that he just kind of listened to everything, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. you talking about what we talk about here, where the game is boiled down to pitcher versus hitter, and mm -hmm. I, the best way I can explain that is 
it's one-on-one basketball. It's you yeah. versus the guy. It doesn't matter anything else from that. It's you versus him. That's what it is. And mm-hmm. I, I think we get away from that too much because we're worried about ground balls and 60 times and like you're saying velos and all this stuff. And that mad dog mentality, I always want to know where did that come from? What, what happened there? Like, how did you develop that? Um, you know, just I grew up in Chicago and we played baseball on concrete with a box spray painted on the wall. That was our, we played strikeout. So it could be two on two. And we'd be playing all day until either the ball busted or we end up losing it. But it was just that back and forth, you know. Yeah, I'm getting ready to take you deep. I'm getting ready to go. Then I'm going to throw one at your head, and then I'm going to break you off something. So who's we? Back and, uh, it was uh, – I, I played against – you know, Wes Chamberlain, he played in the majors, and we had played Little League. Trinidad Hubbard, we were on the same Little League team. We ended up playing on the Rockies together. And so we had so many guys in my neighborhood. Well, Is in my it neighborhood, Puckett had, from Chicago? Kirby Puckett. Oh, man. Oh, oh, oh man. Oh, he used to kill me in summer league, man. I was like, I ain't, I ain't throwing this little fat butterball no strike. <laughs> man, that dude, that rank boy. I mean, I mean yeah. every pitch he threw up there, I don't care if it could bounce, he still hit it somewhere. Smoke but, it. I mean, yeah. we just had, you know, we, we, we just had this. Um, whatever season it was, that's what we played. If it was basketball season, it'd be the same guys playing basketball. Football season, if it's snow, if we got five inches of snow, we putting on two skull caps, three pair of jeans, three jackets. That was our equipment, and we out here hitting each other like we just playing full rough tackle <laughs> football with no equipment on. And it was just, I was just raised in a neighborhood where if you didn't compete, if you didn't bring it. You were on the sideline wondering why you couldn't get out there and play. You had to bring it whatever sport that you played in or you wasn't going to get picked. So that's where I think it started and developed. And then when I got to um, Jackson State, um, it was it was like, damn, these guys are talking so much smack. They don't even know me. Because when I first got to college, I was like, okay, I got to – kind of tone it down a little bit. These mm-hmm. guys are like 20 years yeah. old. I'm I'm an 18-year-old skinny freshman. I don't want to piss them off. And I'm throwing a couple of pitches. Oh, yeah, this is the draft pick. You know, they screaming because <laughs> I got drafted out of high school, right? So they knew that. They was coming at me, man. So yeah. I was like, if I don't match this, I'm going to get stormed over, man. So yeah, I kind of totally. took that with me um, um, through college. And then when I signed, uh, well, I actually, I went to – Cape Cod, and I was a guy from Jackson State University facing guys from Stanford and all these powerhouse colleges, and they like, how the hell you end up getting here? I'm like, dude, I got stuff, man. And I went out there, I went 5-0 and in Cape Cod when, when I, right before my junior year, and that's where I think put me on the, the map for being a, a number two pick with the Phillies because I showed that I can do it and I can perform and execute and still be able to kind of control my um, emotions. Oil Can Boy went to college with me. And if you know anything about the can, they had a sign from the bench to tell him to shut it down. Shut up, man. Calm it down because he was high strong. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, that was just the, 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 um, the gladiator pit that, that I was raised in. And it never went away from, from me. And, um, I, you know, I tried to 
use that as fuel for helping me to be a better competitor. And, and it worked, man. Um, but like I said, some guys don't want that added attention. They don't want that, you know, those guys over there trying a little bit harder because this guy's a hole. And, you know, that sometimes, you know, I, I would love to have guys up there pissed off so that my off speed stuff would be more effective. You come up there and I throw a fastball inside at your head and then I can throw two breaking balls for strikes and you looking out to the mound like, throw me another fastball, you sissy. And I'm like, yeah, right. Go <laughs> sit down. Here's another splitter. You know, so oh, it's, yes. it's, it's getting into their emotions yeah. and then making that, you know, making that an advantage for me. So, you know, I was a psychology major at Jackson State, so I, I did try to find out how guys oh, pump. And so that, that, you know, that helped me. That helped me a long time, and it's still helping me now. I try and put that into kids that I'm coaching now. Um, we play those same live games where I see guys hitting. I'll say, hey, man, you want to get some live ABs? Come over here. We'll have the pitcher out there, and I'll be in the pitcher's ear. Hey, he's diving out there for that outside pitch. Don't hit him. Just throw one over his head so we can get him out on this next pitch. And then they would see how the effect of not being just, you know, uh, cookie cutter, just trying to throw strikes, but actually getting to a point to where they can set up the next pitch and having to understand how to actually set guys up. But a lot of that is being taken away because coaches call every pitch. You know, they're calling every pitch in college. You know, if you're not that Friday night or Saturday night starter, you got a guy over there with the clipboard. The catcher's looking at his wristband for signal 176, which is just a slider down and away. When, when you know, they're trying to make the game so complicated, it's slowing it down, it's taking away from the thought process, and it's taking that, oh, God, please don't. We got a human rain delay. Oh, God. We got a human rain delay with the clipboard. The head coach calling my. I'm with you. This is me. I got yipped up by a head coach in college so much with that. I So many buzzwords right there, Marvin. I appreciate Yeah, I mean, like, I don't need this dude telling me what to throw. I'm throwing the ball. And but also, I don't but, even know why he's so mad. Why is he so and mad? John, he's not even playing the game. <laughs> But also, I love that John's like, I can literally get entire lineups out just knowing that that guy in the dugout is calling the game. Because Absolutely. I don't have to – it's unbelievable. It's yeah. – I, I have Marvin, a, I, tell, um, I tell this funny story uh, that um, when I was in high school, I saw Ryan Klesko do this thing where uh, I remember they panned over to it, and he took these G-hacks on deck and almost fell down. Mm-hmm. And then got – right before he got in the box, he did the same thing, Right. And then he got up there and this dude threw this huge hammer and smoked it out of the yard. And I was like, that was weird. Mm-hmm. And then he did it again, like a later, a later time. And I was like, oh my God, he's baiting the pitcher to throw a breaking ball. Cause he's thinking he's thinking heater. Dude, I went in out of high school, my senior hit 12 home runs doing the exact same thing. <laughs> like just like getting this adult to call a curveball or breaking ball mm-hmm. off speed first pitch mm-hmm. because it was like 285 with like a 15 foot fence in my high school with the old bat, <laughs> the old lightning bat. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'd, I'd be rounding first. Like, this is nuts. I don't understand how this works. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And my, my, yeah. head, my, uh, my head coach in high, or in high school was a double A guy with the pirates and infielder. And he just never understood like what I was doing. And I was like, I think it works. I don't understand it either. But like, I know that this guy, this coach's job is to watch me on deck. I know that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he's watching me and I'm like doing the whole thing. Like 
you know, swinging hard, do, like trying to make, just really make it as dramatic as possible, you know, and then even my swing before, like I get in the box, you know, I'd like lose my balance a little bit. And then I'd get in there and just have a little rhythm and be like, oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, and I'd be like, this is stupid. And so that's part of the man. game. The game is what it is. And it sounds like it's you a and game, I in all three of us love the it, game. you know. Yep. Right, yep. right. And, and then you can't teach that if you have a travel ball practice and you have – you know, 14 ground balls is short and you're going to do IO every day and you're just going to have BP and make it easy on this dude. Just like you said, balls right down the middle. Like none of these things make sense in the game of strategy. Like this is a random strategy game that nobody has. You have complete freedom to throw whatever pitch you want. You, you should so, because you feel right. good about what you're going to do as opposed to a guy saying, oh, well, you just missed with that curveball. Don't throw another one. And you're like, I already figured out what I did wrong on that. Call it again. And they're like, no, nah, we want to we wanna keep the game moving. Well, you're saying right. that I can't throw but one pitch for a strike, which is a fastball. And that's BP. I'm not out here to throw BP, man. This is PP. There's another, there's another strategy part of that, too, that goes a little <laughs> bit further, where there's <laughs> offensive coaches that are telling kids after a breaking ball, look for fastball. And it's like, okay. Like, if he, I, if he bounces <laughs> a breaking ball and it's bad – He's going to come back with a fastball. And, like, yeah. in my career, I almost doubled up everything. And it, like, worked Double all the up. Time. Like, Double up you equals lockup. Double up equals lockup. I like and what that. I like, I love, I love to hear when coaches, after I, after a kid throws an off-speed pitch or a change-up and the, the batter is out in front, and I hear the coach yell out, come on, let it get deep. And I always tell my pitchers, I say, if you hear that, make sure the next pitch is a fastball inside. Make mm. sure it's a fastball inside. Let it get deep. Let it get mm -hmm. deep on your knuckles. That's what we want to do. <laughs> and so it, it, I don't even I, – I, I never call pitches unless the pitcher asks me before the game because I can see what a hitter is doing, how he's setting up in the box to, to know, what he's, you know what he's looking for pretty much. So I always ask the kid, you want me to get it today? Yeah, coach, get it because they don't have to think. But then right. I got to a point when they got to be 16, I'm like, hey, man, you're on your own out here today. Get the first mm -hmm. pitch strike. I don't care what it is. Get first pitch strike. Try to get them out on three pitches or less. And Love if you it. get in trouble, I'll come out and talk to you and tell you what you're doing. I'll give you something. I'll, I'll even tell you. Sometimes I go to the mound. I don't even say nothing about pitchers. I mean, or pitching. I went to the mound one time, and this kid, look, he had this deer in the headlight, glazed over look on his face. And I just walked slowly to the mound. I knew his heartbeat was beating through his neck because I could see his Adam's apple just like just rapidly moving, right? And so I go to the mound and I say, hey, man, I said, um, who you like the best, Rihanna or Beyonce? <laughs> and then he went, huh? He was like, uh, Rihanna. I said, well, she's in the stands. If you walk this guy, she's going to leave. The guy went out and got the next 10 guys in a row out. He came off the field. He's laughing. You know, Coach, you you funny, man. I'm like, did I did I reset your mind? Because all you yeah. need to do sometimes is go out and reset the guys, you know. Um, but a lot of guys that haven't pitched, they don't understand how sensitive pitchers are when they're getting in trouble. They don't understand some of the panic that they have in their head. And all it takes sometimes is to slow that situation down and give them a chance to think clearly again. So it makes me, it always makes me look like a genius as I'm walking off and they get them out. All the parents are like, Coach, you're the man. What'd you tell him out there? I say, I told him Beyonce had a better body. You know, it's, you know, so, you know it, 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 it's just, it's the game. 
it's the mind, and they they have to work together to be successful at this thing, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah please come to San Diego. By the way, I mean you would <laughs> you would love our setup. We built a uh, an uh, eighty foot tunnel by seventeen by twelve, and we have a deck behind our mound that we built so we can have screens just like you were saying. We film everything, and then we put a bunch of rap photos on it to where we can see where the ball's going as well as the dad on the ball going in. So we got a little robo zone action going on. But the, the fun part of it is when we go, um, when we face uh, pro guys like I'm going to do tomorrow, is I start them all off with everybody gets three fastballs. I just go as hard as I can, try to go down mm-hmm. the middle. And they get into it, right, and they crush it, and it goes from there. And, and when we start playing the game next, like one of the guys that, that we're playing with, uh, he's, he's an awesome hitter, and, and we have fun. But he's hit a couple bombs on me in fastballs. And then the last time I faced him from there, I just didn't throw him one all day. And he was like, hey, man, what happened to the fastballs? And I'm like, you got to remember that there's no rule says that I have to throw you anything that you want. You know, like I can just throw what, you know, there's a reason why I throw seven pitches, right? It's, it's just the curveball's not there today. There's the slider. The slider's not there today. There's the cutter. The changeup's not there. Let's go to the split. Let's try the two thing. Let's try. I mean, sounds like you were experimental into that, that phase too. And, and, you, and you locked it in. Your, your arsenal your sequences this is this is a key to what we try to get kids to unlock and stuff we've broken it down to a fast slow concept right where yes if you can there, there's predictable sequences that you can teach kids and if you break it into four there's 16 fast slow sequences right the most yes. common one would be fast fast slow slow right and so mm-hmm. when i commented on your post and when i went slow 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 those are the things that i'm always like right. yeah slow can be anything right but oh yeah you know you like to me, it made a lot of sense when you went slider split slider, just based on the thing that I know that what, especially back then when guys were just fastball hunting, when even when they were hunting, like you don't see as many G hacks back then as you do right now, right? And that's why the strikeout oh, yeah. rate is up, where guys were just short up poking it. They, they'd rather hit a chopper to second base than strike out, right? You know, yeah, they, they didn't right. want to be embarrassed like that, you know. So well, with you, you struck and, out three and, times. You struck out three times back then, man. They had. 50 hats sitting on your bench where you coming to sit down at everybody put their hat right there where you sit. That's a hat trick. You got a hat trick, bro. I mean, you know, dudes was like, yeah, by your get that out of here, man. We yeah. don't want to hear that. Now yeah. it's like, hey, yeah, well, out is out. Well, okay. When it's a man on third and you strike out, I like that. I, that, I like that as a pitcher. So, you know, yeah, you, so- you right, man. I mean, it's pitching. It's about, it's, it's about getting them out. I don't care how that you get him. Of Snell. What do you think about Snell getting pulled? Oh, through? God. Uh, as soon as the manager was walking out of the dugout, he had his hand up like he was signaling for the pen. I jumped on Twitter. I said, <laughs> at this moment, this game is going to change. And before yeah. the other guy could even get in it, double down the line, double down the line, game tied, go ahead, run. And then it was like, I told you. You got a guy that's out there that's just like got the other team by the throat and he's feeling it. He's, you know, he knows that whoever comes up there, hey, I'm locked in. And then you bring in the guy that's been struggling over his last four or five outings to get outs. That's really not as sure as the guy that's out there. Now he's got to get into the game, get a feel. The other team is like, okay, cool. They got this guy out. Here come Freeman now. Yeah, we gonna get him. You know, so it's it's just the whole change of um, enthusiasm when you get that guy out right. there that's been pounding your head. And I mean, right. it it it's it, it goes back to what guys are um, doing now with the analytics. They say analytics say, well, 
that third time around is going to be really difficult. Well, okay, we know that. But there are certain things that you can't measure. And you can't measure how a guy's feeling at that moment, what he's mm-hmm. been doing up to that point, and how his heart is beating at that particular time. And that's what we got to get back to. I understand, uh, you know, the analytics are there to help. Um, you know, but at some point, you got to use it for what it is. It's a tool. It can't be a way to manage a ball game every single time out. And that, yeah. I was really, I was just, I was just so disappointed that yeah. I didn't get a chance to see this guy walk off the mound after nine innings with his teammates, like lifting him up, like, yeah, we got it tomorrow, dog. You brought it to this point. We going into it tomorrow because it affected both teams. You bring the right. guy out that's 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 dealing the, your team is like oh go oh boy and the other team is like oh yeah all right here we go right and right so, so that it was just you you said something a second ago or earlier in this and we were talking about you were talking about guys want to strike people out and everything and, and to me a strikeout is the best way to explain dominance right and so in this game we go to this isolated game right he struck out the next three guys they yeah, didn't nine strike out. baseball yeah, they didn't yeah, even nine strikeouts out of 18 batters. So, right. Come on. And so, for us, right, to explain the dominance with the amount of games that we've seen, when we see that dude and you're on the other side, and then you can feel the offense when they come in the dugout, and this dude goes punchy, 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 and they walk back in the dugout, and you're like, yeah, this is, this is, you can look at your starting shortstop and be like, yeah, this is not good, right? You can look at everybody and the, and the way the game changed. As soon as that guy came in, they cut to the dugout. These dudes are grabbing bats. They're moving around. They're like, all right. Running, okay, running to the bat circle. I mean, right? they're like, yeah. it was crazy, man. Like, get out of the way. It's yeah. my turn. I mean, right. I remember watching um, when I was with the Phillies as a, a rookie, watching Doc Gooden pitch against us. And he had like 15 strikeouts in seven innings. And guys all the time. Were, I mean, you know, usually if a guy struck out back then, he'd come back and slam his helmet or, slam his back to the rack. These dudes was coming back, placing they shit. I'm sorry. They was placing they. Hey, we're, say whatever you want, man. It's the internet. Okay, Okay, cool. They come back, they place their helmet, they put the bat in there, they take the gloves off real kindly, and they sit down like, shit, I wasn't getting a hit anyway. Shit, you know. So. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you were that banger. You know, he saw that banger spin people around in a box, you know. Larkin Larkin would always. Okay, go, go, go. They said Doc Gooden tipped every pitch, but he had 300 strikeouts in this year, in the season. I'm like, well, that's the kind of tipping I want to have right there where they know what's coming and they still can't hit it. Yeah. That was yeah, unbelievable, man. Yeah. Yeah. Larkin had that, so many stories of him having to face Randy Johnson because Herbeck uh, wanted a day off. He's like, I got to hit off Randy nights. Johnson, too. No way. Uh, what, fastball? <laughs> Fastball, man. He was a young rookie for the Expos. I was. It was like you the battle, battle yeah. of the Giants. He's six ten. I'm six seven, and he threw the first fastball, and I swung like, oh my god! And then you can hear the the announcer was like, well, I don't think Marvin's got a real good chance of competing against this guy. But then <laughs> my funny. old days of of playing strikeout kicked in. I'm like, I ain't getting pumped. I'm gonna at least go out swinging. And I chopped one off that turf, chopped it to center field. I got the first, like, yeah, you know, that's what I do, baby. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, that's yeah. the fun part of the game. So, like, 
why why can't we celebrate in baseball? Because that's what it is. Like you you know, it's not golf. Almost every other sport has a, a celebration that is appropriate, right? But if if you get excited and fun, you know, fist pump or bat flip or do whatever, it's like, whoa, 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 act like you've been here before. And it's like for me, when I when I made it to my highest level when I was in winter ball in Mexico, and I'm in front of sixty thousand people at Culiacan. And they're chanting "Gringo sucks" as I come in from the pen, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is exactly what I needed." I just get oh, yeah. so fired up about it, even to this day. And I went out with punchy, 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 and gave a big fist bump. And then one of my one of my older teammates was like, "Hey man, you gotta act like you've been there before." I'm like, "Bro, never thrown in front of sixty thousand people before." This what I do. Huge situation in the game. This what I do when I when I was there. This is how I did it. Right, right, and that's what makes me thinking about you. You know. Right. Walking, yeah. you, you know, strut on the mound and just be like, mm, that's what like that's a there's a feeling that comes over you as a pitcher where that confidence is. And like getting to that flow state and that positivity is just so important for a guy. I just don't know why we would limit that. Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, I don't mind a guy back. If a guy if a guy hits a three run bomb off me and it's a walk off, he can do backflips around the bases. I don't care. Hey, dude, my bad. You got me. Damn. OK, have fun. Yeah. Your teammates at home plate, they're going to hug you, kiss you, get out of the way while I'm walking off the field, all right? But if you do that shit in the second inning, you hit a home run off me and you running around the bases blowing kisses, and I know that you, like, you know, directing that toward, you know, if you get in the dugout and you guys are dancing, yeah, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, whatever they've been doing in the dugout, go ahead, handle it. Yeah, yeah. But if you hit a home run and you running around the bases and you staring me down like, yeah, you ain't got shit, you know, yeah, throw some more in there. Okay, the next one you're going to get undressed on. And I might not even wait for you to come back up. It might be the next hitter because I want the next hitter like, hey, man, calm that shit down because this dude yeah. throwing at me. I didn't I yeah. didn't do nothing to him and I'm taking Controlling the, the game of your mess. So, I mean, there's a place for it. There's a situation for it. I mean, if it's a big situation where the game's on the line and you come through. Yeah, lead change, right. Yeah, fun, man. But not a solo homer in the second inning and you act like you didn't conquer the world. Somebody, this ain't going to be BP. And right. somebody go, somebody ass is going to pay for it. Uh, you know, hey, that's just, again, that goes back to what I was stating earlier about being a competitor and, 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 and playing the game talking trash. You can talk trash, but be sometimes guys are gonna be sore losers. And when you run into that sore loser, you need to know who it is. Ask Nolan Ryan. You swing hard off him, you may get the next one in your ribs. Bob Gibson hit a guy one time, and then the guy was going down the first, and he said, "Yeah, I thought you threw hard, you know." And then the next time up, Gibson hit him in the exact same spot. No, he was going down the first. He was like, my daddy hit me harder than that. And then Gibson hit him the second time in the same spot, and the guy went down to the ground, and Gibson was like, I bet your daddy ain't never hit you like that, though. And so, I mean, you, you, you want to give it out, you better be willing to take it. That's right, right, saying. but that's the game. you got to be able yeah, to handle it, it. You know what I mean? Like, you got to have some there feel, right? You know, like, you yep. a, like you're saying, hit a solo bomb in a second. It's one nothing. Like, game's not even over. Now, if it's a lead change and it's a big part of the game, like that's where, right? Obviously, right? Like you can look if you, you can't that, take it. If you can't take it, I saw your boy Machado do it. He hit. He hit a home run. And he was like celebrating, and then the guy, um, the pitcher, um, from the Dodgers, 
struck out somebody and he was like shooting arrows up in the stands yeah. and he was yeah, 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 yeah. Threw his glove up in the stands i'm like oh yeah they, i saw they, that too they going back yeah. and forth but then right I, that's Machado the problem like right yeah he wanted to get butt hurt and try he wanted to, now he want to fight the guy i'm like hey man you, you did it earlier so you know expect yeah. to get it back and that's sometimes you know when you do that sometimes it gets out of hand and that's what i think you know guys uh try to protect against um where it gets out of hand where that guy might be getting released after the game and you just hit a walk off off of him and he's thinking oh shit, i ain't got nobody out in two weeks and they told me before the game that they got my ticket ready for triple a if i don't if i don't perform and so now you're he's taking it personally even though it may not even be directed towards him now the next guy he want to take somebody with him so i mean that's that's big boy baseball man i don't i don't um advocate that for little league but hey you getting a check man they're trying to dig in your wallet and take money out your pocket do you follow john boy media i do be funny as hell yeah so <laughs> I, I i mean i we don't we don't have a ton of conversations with uh mlb guys um and i just always talk about how that should be so much more common and it doesn't have to be that guy but like a guy like yourself or guys that have been in the game that understand the game within the game I think the internet is providing a place where it's silly that doesn't exist already, right? Some real yeah. takes of what's going on in Major League Baseball. There's a, there's a great market for that. I would love oh, yeah. to pay for to to pay for guys that have been in the game for years and years and years, and now want to talk about what's actually going on, right? Not the oh, yeah. you know the the TV version, like the internet version, the unrated, because I think that's you know I just don't think people people can't understand it because it's. It's so not obvious. Most people just see a guy throwing the ball, waiting around. Do you know what I mean? And it's so oh yeah, I, I, to me. I made a couple. I made a couple videos like that. Um, I was facing um Jeff Bagwell, and um, I threw a fastball by him, and 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 it is labeled inside the mind of a big league pitcher, and it's so deep in my Instagram. I I couldn't just couldn't sure. tell you. It's, I had a couple of them. I put on my um Twitter as well, but um, I was like yeah he don't know me you know i'm i'm getting my sign i'm like yeah i just blew cheese by the man look at him up there sitting down in his little crouch i'm getting ready to come at him with some more cheese and then i throw a fastball he swings and misses i'm like yeah i got it i'm feeling good today and i'm like yeah last time i threw him a slider this time i'm gonna force him his ass up high and then he hit a home run off me and when he hit it i was like oh damn <laughs> oh. <laughs> must, must be Coors Field. So, it was hilarious. It's hilarious, oh, yeah. man. It's hilarious. Oh, you know? man, that's awesome. I mean, that's I've awesome. done a couple. Yeah. I, I did one when I hit my that's home perfect. run. I mean, it was like I just tried to give you know the fans what I'm actually thinking, as opposed right. to you know being such a um, you know professional, so to speak. Right. They need to know what's going on. That I'm human too. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is batting. I'm in the middle of my stretch, and I'm looking over on deck. Who is that on deck? Oh, Gary Reedus. Ball four. So yeah. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pitching around, guys. Well, look, Marvin, there's that's what it, that's what the commentating should be. You know, like Tony Romo's. At, at, Cass brings this up. Tony Romo's conversations that he has in you know commentating blows away the other guy every time because he played it he, he knows yeah. what the guys are thinking and where the checkdowns are and this and that cc sabathia has a on his podcast was talking about that he wanted to do 
an unfiltered rated R type thing where <laughs> it, he was acting as if you and I know the conversations that happen on the bench as opposed oh. to what people actually hear what's going on during yes. the game. Yes. That's what he's yes. like. That's what you want to hear. I remember sitting next to Luis Soho in Mexico. who's my manager. And I'm like just talk, you know, talking in his head and asking him, you know, there's a, there's a guy down in Mexico named Hafet Amador. If you built like just, Oh, it's unreal who this guy. He's six eight. He sounds. I was gonna say he sounds like Megatron every time John talks. Yeah, about right, him. right. He's six eight, three hundred pounds. He plays in Japan and then he plays in Mexico at home. But like the balls he hit in, in Japan and Mexico are just like oh. And I faced him and like of course you know you bring the import in down there and you gotta you gotta face him and and every time I'd come in it'd just be like slider cutter. So I'm like bro, I'm not giving you a fastball. The one game I start. The one game I start, I get two games at two in. I get two rollovers to third base. I'm like, whoo, you know, third time through. I'm like, you know what? I haven't thrown this guy first pitch fastball yet. I go back to our two seam, hit my spot, and he hit an absolute rocket ship over my head. And we found out that the top of the batter's eye was made out of aluminum when it hit the top of it. <laughs> right? And so, like, I, Luis Soho comes out to the mound and has a visit after that because I'm giggling on the mound. He's like, What's so funny about that? And I was like, that's the farthest ball that's ever been hit off me, ever. Like, and yeah. it was the loudest. Like, yeah. you got to laugh at yourself at that point. Like, hey, you know, you got you know caught, what? you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had one, um, I did one recently. Um, I struck out Bobby Bonilla three times in the previous game. And then the next game, he was at um, Coors Field. And I'm on the mound. I'm going, yeah, I got his ass three times last time. So I know he up there thinking about them, them off-speed pitches and sliders I threw him. Let me sneak a fastball in here. And he shot me so far out of right field, man. They got this purple line on the upper, upper, upper deck at Coors Field. And it's a row of seats that's all purple. That's the mile-high level. I said, he just hit me a mile high. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, I'm looking at the ball. I'm like, damn. I don't think nobody's ever hit one up there. I was like, okay, yeah. again, I'm the first guy to ever do something. So it was just, <laughs> it was, I, yeah. I, I, I keep it fun because, again, yeah, you have this, to. You know this what I mean? game like, is tough. This game is tough yeah. and it's entertainment. So I try and let guys in on some of the things that I was thinking, not all of it, because sometimes I was out there thinking, God, I shouldn't even be out here right now. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. I'm telling you, yeah, man. I was like, hey, you who's warming play right up? In Mexico, but. Yeah, I mean that's Absolutely, what I was doing in Mexico. Man. Sometimes I'd stand, I'd stand and look around at the stadium, whether I was in minor leagues or the major leagues, and I'm like, "Where am I? Like, what yeah. am I doing with my life right now?" You know, yeah. so that's what this well, game uh, does, man. Yeah, well, we we've coming up on an hour here. I don't want to eat up too much of your time. But this has been great. True we got to do this again. Um, Absolutely, I, I, man. I would really love for you to push to figure out. Um, yeah, small suggestion. Uh, uh, if you, do you follow Joe Rogan at all? Who's that? <clears throat> Joe Rogan. Um. I don't follow him. I might have seen some of the things that he's done. So he does a a, a thing that I, I – well, we can talk about it off air if you need some help with it. But he does a thing called a fight companion. And what he does is instead of you people watching the UFC and listening to the announcers, he has mm-hmm. them sync it up with his audio, with his group of people, and they're watching the thing there. Okay. And so I, I can't watch professional baseball, even in the World Series, with the audio on. I have to turn music on because I just can't do it because Joe yeah. Buck or somebody's going to say something I'm like, you're going to set me off. I'm going to forget what's going on in the game, and I just need to be able to focus on what's going on. Um, Absolutely. But I, I would love to see you I would love to see you do something like that and just like have some kind of stream going while you're watching games and just 
talk about what you see because your insight and your history is what the game needs. You know, I mean, love or oral Hershauser to death, but I know that's not how he really is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I yeah. saw him on the mound. I knew how much of a bulldog he was. And he goes, oh, and, yeah. you know, does a couple Little League World Series. He comes back to a Ray G kind of guy. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> come on. You were a bulldog there, man. There was a couple, there was a lot more F-bombs in your life previously. Oh, no doubt now. about That's, it, man. And those are the things that, that baseball needs to understand and see. Because, you know, a culture shock for me was coming from such a small town and then going to a junior college down in Pensacola, Florida, and it being the top JUCO conference in the country. And like you said, I wasn't used to this other team yelling at me while I was pitching. I was like, yeah. I don't know what's going What is that? I don't know what these guys are yelling at me for. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, th- there's just too much knowledge that should be transferred. And, and I'd, I'd love to see you just, you know, sprinkle it all over the Internet because you, you, you proved it. You did it. Well, I'm going to get right on that, man. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to make another video today inside the mind of a psycho pitcher. I'll put that up there. I just got to find the right clip to put with it, though. But um, I still got all my videos, man, from when I played. And guys, all the time that I played against, if I see somebody go, hey, did you know Reggie Sanders was a 300, 300 guy? And I'm like, oh, yeah, but look, I knew that dude, too. And I'll put a pit. <laughs> Uh, video up there of me striking him out on three pitches and so I like to like and and all the guys are like hey man how come you don't put that home run I hit up off you I'm like this is Freeman baseball man you should save <laughs> <laughs> you should yeah, save your videos cool. like I saved mine yeah. man you know right, I right. had an insight I knew that someday some videos that I had were gonna be valuable and thank God for uh Instagram Twitter and Facebook baby <laughs> wow, that's, I'm glad you're saying that. I mean, I, it's the the power of the internet, if you know what it is and how you can connect. Like the fact that I was able to DM you and you're a great human. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. But this is just people need to hear this kind of stuff. Because like Cass and I have conversations about this all the time. And we've only had our facility here in San Diego for, for about two months right now. And it's going great. And, and we're getting a lot of more high level guys and stuff over here for, for them to do stuff. But, you know, I, like you said, people don't know the game within the game. And if you're not yeah. playing the game, like if you're just practicing these scenarios and it's literally too easy for the hitters because it's front toss at eight miles an hour and it's on a tee every time the guys throw it. Yeah. When I yeah. get up there and I have 89.91 and I have 18 inches vertical break on my fastball because I get on top of it and I'm downhill and you don't know mm-hmm. which direction it's going to go and I change speeds every pitch, good luck. Really yeah. good luck. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's baseball, man. So if I'm out there visiting my boy Dave Justice, he out there in San Diego, we'll we'll come by and run over oh, there. Man. And we'll... Oh, please, David. <laughs> David, if you're hey. listening, brother. <laughs> hey, David, David, when, when when I was on the Rockies and I went back to play against the Braves, Dave was one of my best friends in baseball. So when he when I got a chance to face him, I knew what kind of hitter he was. He got a base hit off of me the other way on a, a 2-2 splitter. That was nasty, but I knew he was going to, you know, put the ball in play. And when he got the hit, he goes down first, and he winks at me. And that's a bit – I got it all on video. Got it all on video. He winks at me. I said, if any other guy ever winked at me after getting a hit off me, I'm hitting everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But since he was my man, I I couldn't help but to laugh. I just – you got me, dog. You know, but I mean, yeah, that's the right. kind of that, that's the kind of fun that we had, um, you know, on the field, off the field. I mean, that the guys like that, 
you you they're gonna be your friends as long as you, you you know you're still alive and in this game but he's one of the guys i think of when i hear san diego i always think of dave justice awesome awesome marvin this has been amazing i can't wait to cut up some awesome thanks for coming on and from there i appreciate, appreciate it man, it, I really man. Do. no doubt time, man. yeah man like i said if you're ever in san diego uh you know look us up man we'd, we'd love to have you show all the fun stuff over here we got Apple no doubt TV about and it. video analysis and everything. And if you have, if you ever need anything from us, you have a question, feel free to reach out to us. Send me one of them uh, Cutter Nation hats or something so I can. So yeah, I can you flex, like this? Yeah. Flex my muscle yeah, get, on the internet. Oh, 100%. You know, you know, so uh, I'll, I'll put my uh, mailing address on that DM for you. Yeah, well, you can go sure, on shoot sure. it. Make sure it's a black one because the villains are oh, we got, hey, the black. We got all the colors, man. You got to swag out, right? You know, <laughs> now, the, villain, are... the villain is in black, baby. The villain, you know, the cowboy always hey, had on, the black me, hat on. Let me help you. I'll do I'll do the swap right now. There you go. There, there, is. there, is. there she is. Go. There we go. Right. See, hey, yeah, now you got to murder now. you got to murder it out, you know? <laughs> I know I know you're a hip hop guy too. I was seeing that on there too. A little DMX flex for you, you know? Oh yeah, you know I slide. I take it back, man. I'm yeah, old, but I'm you. young. I'm old, but I'm young at heart, man. You know. Yeah, I hear you. I I love it. I love it. Well, appreciate it, brother. Um, All right, guys, man. don't forget to smash that like button. Follow Marvin. Marvin, why don't you tell everybody, you know, just your handles, where you are on social media, how they can follow you from there. Yeah, you can follow me on um, Instagram, Freeman Baseball, Twitter, same thing, Freeman Baseball, and Facebook. It's all Freeman Baseball because that's all that matters. It's Freeman Baseball, baby. Perfect. It's the greatest ending ever that we've had. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Guys, rate, review, subscribe, help us out. Check out the website. Follow Marvin. If you're, if you're in the Atlanta area, go. What, what, what facility are you at, by the way? I, I couldn't find that. What's the name of the place that you do your training? Uh, the place that I do my training at is D-Bats. D-Bats in um, Douglasville, Georgia. It's like right outside the city of Atlanta. Not too far from where I live, but, um, you know, I, I go where the players are. I'm, I'm a mobile guy. I, I put my um, pitching hat on and I jump in my truck and I go where the pitchers need me the most because I'm here to help and I want to help as many as I can. And, you know, I try to be as accessible as I can to all that need it. That's awesome. That's what you need. That's what that's, we need more guys like you in the game, teaching the game within the game. I love it. I love Absolutely. It. You guys have a great day and, um, you know, keep, keep that thing in on the hands and um, keep working down in the way, baby. Yeah, down the way. I love it. I love it. Thanks, All right. Marvin. Appreciate it. All right.